Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. And welcome to episode 368 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here at last with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. We had a few technical issues this morning. Um, so, well, actually, and we tried to record this one a couple of days ago uh-huh. and had major technical issues that day. So it's just been a day it, and, it has. and a half. It has. <laughs> Every once in a while, I think it's good to let the listener in on that. I listen to a couple of podcasts, interview podcasts, where sometimes you can tell at the start of the interview that they've just spent 30 minutes like troubleshooting with like, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? And right. You know, to pull back the curtain a little bit, it, we want to just get on and have a conversation for you all. And sometimes technology behaves and sometimes it doesn't. So we're both taking a, taking a breath here (laughs) before we get into today's topic. Well, and I just had, I mean, talk about feeling dumb. And I love that the topic today is tech and devices. It oh, yeah. could not be more fitting, um, but I am on Eric's um, PC. I don't really ever use PC anymore. I used to, um, but I haven't in probably, geez, like 12 years, 10, 12 years. And I felt so dumb. I'm like, everything is different. I couldn't figure out where to go. His computer is ancient because it's just not very techy. And I, uh, it was something. It was figuring out because like the computer or the mics were blocked and like the mic and the, the headphones got reversed. And so even though we are audio professionals, we still run into issues like this quite, you know, not all the time, but when they happen, they can stump us. Yeah. And I think um, I, I think even those more professional than we are, like those with professional studios and engineers, if you work in any kind of tech, there will always be a like can you hear me now moment? Like, Mm -hmm. is this working? Is your mic on? So anyway, anyway, listeners, we are talking about tech and devices and parenting today. We're doing another one of these glad I did wish I done wish I'd done episodes, which we started a couple of months ago. Um, We did one about summer and Megan, it's just a chance for you and I to gently reflect on the choices we made when our kids were younger 
for the benefit of the listener. And when I say gently, we do kind of divide this up into here's some things that I'm really glad I did. And then here's some things that with hindsight, I could have done differently. And like without judgment or without like a a heaping like dose of regret or anything, but just with hindsight, I think hindsight can be a, a learning opportunity for us and then hopefully for you all listening. Yeah. And I also think that because tech and devices can be so loaded, there's a lot of value judgments that we culturally put on it and like different, um, you know, almost like different parenting philosophies around it. And so what I think is really interesting about this topic is there are probably things I wish I'd done that you did, mm-hmm. but you wish you had not done, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or vice versa. So it's so personal and it really is so much about the, the, the parenting soup, the family soup that you are swimming in, I don't know, eating. That's a terrible (laughs) metaphor. I just totally mixed up, but like, there's a lot going on that might, um, that might affect your, how you individually feel about a specific choice that you made for your family, either while it's happening or down the road. Yes. I think that's a really good point. I think, um, technology and screen time is especially true, but I think that's true. Whether we're talking about feeding or sleeping, like the choices one family makes are very unique to that family set of circumstances. And so as always on this show, it's, it's never about like holding up one method as the one right way, but it is instructive. I think to, to talk through why we made the choices we made. And by the way, we're not just talking about like quote unquote screen time today. Um, we broadened this to be a little bit more about like technology and family culture. Um, so not just like do you give a preschooler an iPad or not? Or do you let them watch this show or not? Or how much screen time? But really the role that technology played in family culture as our kids were getting older. And yeah, what we're glad we did and what we might have done differently. So I'm excited to dig in. Me too. And I wanted to point out that uh, I think sometimes too, we can feel as though we should wish we did something differently. Um, and then actually we don't. And we, when we were making notes for this episode, I started to jot something down thinking it was going to be a wish I'd done. And I got like, I wrote it out and then I thought, nope, I actually don't wish that. I, yeah. I think that it might have been a popular thing for me to say, I wish I had done this thing. Um, putting limits around something. I won't even get into it. Cause I, I had like then rejected it. I was yeah. like, actually, no, I'm take I take it back. I don't actually wish I'd done anything differently because like you said, the circumstances of my life at the time were that it made a lot of sense to do it that way. So hindsight's always maybe a little better than 2020, but, um, you know, we're all living in the now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor Meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor Meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. 
That's code MOMHOUR50 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown Loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, Sarah, so we're going to talk for a little bit about things we're glad we did around tech and devices. Uh, What you got for us? Okay, well, this is one that feels top of mind right now because it's I feel like my family is enjoying the fruits of this, especially right now. So what I'm glad I did, I'm glad we did, was really embrace technology trends as a family and include our kids in, I don't know, digital leisure as much as we could at their various ages. So like I have a memory of Reed playing Angry Birds when he was really little, when that um, game was really popular. Now, he wasn't allowed to play a lot for very many hours, but he was allowed to play this game that had like entered the cultural experience and like everybody was doing it. And I just like I remember getting such a kick out of like his little finger dragging that pig or Mm. bird or whatever and shooting it. You know, today this looks like Wordle. It looks like sharing funny TikToks and reels back and forth or like doing the New York Times spelling bee. Um, I think as I thought about what this glad I did really was getting getting to like at the heart of it is I think we've tried to be pretty tech positive. I think both Brian and I are pretty transparent about what we're doing when we're on our phone or computers. So we haven't made it like oh, this is mom and dad's thing. You can't see what I'm doing. I mean, we we try to tell the kids what we're doing. Maybe it's really boring, like we're paying a bill or maybe it's totally a little embarrassing and mindless like Candy Crush or something. But I think we've tried to sort of demystify and almost neutralize this idea that like a parent on their phone is a bad thing, but rather like these little rectangles can do an awful lot. We're not saints about it ourselves. We're not We're not trying to be like, you know, do what I say, not what I do, Um, but rather like include them as appropriate in what we're doing. And I think now at 14, 12 and nine, we have a lot of fun with very silly, like digital trends as a family, like including funny animal videos and all of that. And it really has become a part of family culture. And I think that started, it started young by making them feel included. I love that. I was thinking how when they're little, we're the ones who are kind of bringing them into trends. But then when they get older, there's the opportunity 
to let them bring us into trends. Yeah. And um, I really resisted Wordle, for example. I was just like, oh man, it's this thing everyone's doing. I don't want to do it. But then Owen one day wanted to play Wordle and he wanted to play Quirtle. And we don't do it every single day, but he'll kind of come up in my room sometimes and be like, hey, did you get the Wordle today? And then he wants to sit there and watch me get it because he already got it and wants to see probably how much longer it'll take me to get it than him. Um, and that's really fun. And I'm glad that I sort of, I can be a little grumpy sometimes about tech that I find to be like a waste of time or to be silly um, or to be overly popular. Like I can just be kind of grumpy about that sort of thing, but it is fun. And I'm glad, like when I let the kids bring me into something, I'm usually glad I did. Yeah. How about you? Well, I, the one I thought of that, and this is a little harder to pin down it's not exactly like a specific act, um, but it was more just like a, a fluidity around screens and tech and the way it, I guess, occupied our lives. And when my kids were little, and even now, we never really defaulted to a routine around screens or a screen-oriented schedule. So there were definitely times when my kids watched a lot of TV when they were little and other times that we didn't even have cable or internet because I got really fed up with the bill and just decided to shut it off. I think it was like a year when Jake and Isaac were really little that we didn't have internet at home, no cable. We just had a few VHS tapes. Um, and I was actually talking with Isaac last night about that. And he remembers that really well. And he's like, I think it's great. I watched the Blues Clues movie like probably 300 times. It was a great movie. <laughs> so there was just something he kind of remembers about that. But But it wasn't like, now we get up and there's TV time. And now this, this tech, you know, this screen takes us to this part of the day. And then now it's time for us to all sit down and watch a show. Like we didn't do that. And what I feel like that did is it maybe just made everyone a little more adaptable. Like yeah. if the screens all went away tomorrow, we'd all figure it out and it wouldn't be like, well, now what do we do with our time? How do we sit and how do we connect with each other if we don't have like, you know, a TV show to watch together. And I love doing that. I don't have any problem with, um, any of that stuff, but it's always been like the cherry on top, not the, it's optional. It's not like the thing that's gluing us all together. Well, I love this one for you. Love this journey for you because this is one where it is totally opposite of how my family did it. And yet I can absolutely appreciate how, like, I'm glad you did that too. It, there's so many benefits <laughs> to the way you right. approached it. It, it really like again, I come back to that word neutralize. Like it took the power away from like, okay, after bath, we get to watch our one show before bed. And I, I really was very structured and very like, um, predict like a predictable expectation setting. And the there are some downsides to that too. So I don't know. I just, I'm just enjoying the fact that like, I can wholeheartedly appreciate the flexibility, the adaptability and like the removing the power of this very powerful thing that you were able to do when your kids were little. Well, and I think that there's, you know, it's a really good reminder that there are always upsides and downsides to everything. And it's really hard, maybe impossible to find a middle where you eliminate all the downsides. Like there, there's no way you yeah. could have had all the benefits of the structure and all the benefits of the free form together because it doesn't happen that way. Right. <laughs> you get one or the other, you don't really get both. And so yeah, both have benefits. Um, I think if I had tried to jump back and forth between strategies, like if it was like, we're very, you know, very structured for a week and then it's just completely like whatever the next week and then back to structure, that would have created a lot of confusion. So it's almost like picking a lane yeah. and sticking with it helped us both in the end. Yeah. And probably what we were doing is leaning into 
our natural superpowers and our natural tendencies and trusting our motherhood gut. Like really, if it boils down to it, we didn't know we were doing that, but we were each probably like picking the path that best suited our personalities, which like kind of is what it's all about. Um, okay. Well, I have one I'm glad I did that is very specific. Like if, if this sounds good to someone else, they could apply this right to their own family or not. Um, but I am glad that we have started our kids on their quote unquote first phone by giving them an old phone that works only on Wi-Fi that really they only use within the house around the age of 10 or 11. Um, we have done this now twice. Um, and, and probably will follow suit with the third kid, but basically like we never, there was never a like, okay, honey, like here's your first phone. Here's your phone number. It's brand new. Here's the rules around it. It was a much more like gradual on-ramp and it, we really tried to make it less exciting than like, oh my gosh, I got my first phone. So it was always a hand-me-down of one of our old iPhones. It only worked on Wi-Fi. We'd like, we'd do a factory reset. We'd get them their own like iCloud email so they could send text message or, you know, like, um, iCloud messages as long as they were on Wi-Fi. Um, but it was like, if I use like a bicycle analogy, it was like, here's a rusty old bike that we're going to slap some training wheels on. It doesn't go very fast. You can't really ride it anywhere, but like the driveway have fun. <laughs> um, they, it, it was still exciting to them. They got to, right, like, but it is still fun because they have never had that before. That exactly. rusty old bike is their first rusty bike. Exactly. <laughs> so, and sometimes yeah. like they'd save their allowance money and get like a new case for it. And it's amazing how just the plastic case makes an 11 year old feel like they have a new phone and it's a $10 mm-hmm. plastic case. So really they weren't interested. They didn't need a real phone yet. They didn't need a cellular plan. A mo- like we didn't have to bother with data plans. Um, they wanted to listen to music. Uh, they wanted to be able to send text messages and, you know, download some apps and feel like they had a phone. And meanwhile, as, as parents, we were figuring out like, okay, how much oversight do we want over their text messages? Like, are they allowed to take this device into their room? Like all these things that parents question and like, I'm still figuring out myself, but it was, it felt like we had a much more, gra- like I said, gradual on-ramp to phone use. And so with our oldest, um, we didn't get a real cellular data plan, like a real phone phone until this right before eighth grade, which is pretty, I mean, that's pretty late nowadays, but it was because mm. we had this, this like, do you have a phone? Kind of. I have a phone that works only in my house, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 We sort of accidentally defaulted into that too. Um, probably younger than you, but we always, we seems like we always had an old phone lying around and that would always be like whichever kid was coming up next, you know, whichever right. kid was not old enough to have their own, but, um, you know, well, it was eventually Clara. And the funny thing is when it was eventually Clara, it was right around the time it's like the older boys, there weren't even smartphones when they were really little, but by the time Clara was, you know, five, six, seven years old, and I was letting her play on some of those apps, um, there was obviously a smartphone and I'm just thinking of like how much better the apps have gotten for parents today. I remember downloading some free ones that were awful, like awful animation. And they were so stupid. Like one was um, Claire just like chopped vegetables with her finger. It was just literally chopping vegetables, but it would keep her occupied for half an hour and it was free. And so I would just be always like downloading and then deleting like really crappy apps. It's kind of a funny memory on an old phone. Yeah. Well, this one for me is kind of a, a little, I don't know, walk down memory lane, but I really, and, and kind of just nostalgia. 
Um, I really got into some of the kids shows with them when they were little. And in fact, I really guided a lot of the television watching because I really wanted something. I spent a lot of time parked on the sofa with them, you know, just getting my work day done. And so I wanted something in the background that I wasn't going to hate. (laughs) And so I, you know, at times would be pretty particular about which network I would allow to be on. I knew the ones that had shows that annoyed me and the ones that I thought the shows were just really bad. Um, And so I just have memories of sitting and watching so much PBS when the big kids were littler. And then a lot of Nick Jr. when, um, when it was like Will, Owen and Clara, I feel like their shows got really good. And I just, and then when Clara got a little older, I indulged her and let her watch some things like My Little Pony. And I can remember the music to that. It's like the backdrop of my young mom life. And it's just really fun and sweet to look back. And I was kind of involved in their screen time, but I was also like using my screen to help me get my work done while they were using their screens right next to me. And it was just, I mean, it's probably not ideal from a total like parenting perspective, but it worked for us. And now it's kind of fun. Like we, we all remember some of the same stuff. I love that. And, um, often in our Facebook community, moms will bond over like Peppa Pig or Bluey or Daniel Tiger. And you and I are more and more removed from any of this, but you can tell there is a, like a cultural, um, thread connecting moms of young kids who are like, yeah, listening to the soundtrack of having the TV on for their preschoolers. So I love that. I don't remember. I don't know if Yo Gabba Gabba is still on, but that was kind of the really (laughs) avant-garde show when my kids were like when my um, teenagers were really little Mm -hmm. and it was kind of subversive and weird. And parents would talk about it all the time. Like there was an, like there was a song called we don't bite our friends or something like that. And it was just funny. It was really funny. And you, and the songs were very catchy and they get stuck in your head. And so that was, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, Very different now, but. Um, well, my next one is also TV related, but uh, moving a little bit into slightly older kid years. I am really glad that we accidentally started um, letting whoever was the oldest kid or the next kid at the time, like nine or 10 year olds, uh, watch a TV show with mom and dad like one night a week. And it happened sort of accidentally. Brian and I really like our TV time has always been very protected, like mom and dad time. And it was hard for me in the beginning to even entertain the thought that letting a kid watch with us would be fun. Like to me, I was very black and white about it. Like the kids go to bed and then Brian and I get to watch a show. And it was really like, um, it was so clearly defined as my kid free time, but, uh, Brian and I have watched survivor for 20 plus years. And, um, when Luke was like nine or 10, we started letting him just watch like a little bit with us, like a few minutes here, come down and like watch a little bit. And it felt very like grown up. And then after that, it was like a full episode once a week. And then like, eventually the pandemic happened and we started watching like amazing race and survivor as a whole family. And now we've done like Shit's Creek. We've done the good place. We've found shows. Sometimes it's a rewatch for Brian and me. Um, and I know you've talked about this, Megan, with like Arrested Development and your kids or Shit's Creek or whatever. But um, I think the glad I did is I'm glad I got over myself. I'm glad I started letting <laughs> kids watch what might have been a slightly more mature show than they were ready for. Just slightly. Like, I'm pretty conservative about that kind of thing. So it was like, ooh, um, let's watch Friends together. Like, oh, wow. Friends is not appropriate. Like, 
we just had to like find our way um, into these more mature bonding experiences over television. And now I can honestly say like different pairings of the family have shows that we work through and watch together. And it's very enjoyable. So I'm glad we started that again, probably age nine or 10. Um, I think that listening to you talk about that, it just kind of brought to mind how many things like what a big mindset shift it is to go from this is something that is not fun to do with kids right. to, wow, this is actually something that is fun to do with kids. And I mean, you could apply that to so many things yeah. like going out to eat okay. for a very long time. Not fun to do with kids. Right. A lot of work for mom. But then one day you're like, wait, actually, this is really fun. And you get stuck in that muscle memory or that um, that like reactive place where you're just remembering what it was like when they were little and climbing all over the place or, you know, when you couldn't watch the show because they're just talking or climbing up and down off your lap or whatever it is. Right. And then suddenly it's like, wait, this is fun. And sometimes it takes a little work to, to like actually believe that and embrace it. Well, and I want to say one more thing about like the content itself, because I, I come from a more conservative and controlling, like, what, you know, what are my kids consuming, especially when it comes to TV and movies and media. And so I think it was really good for me to let my kids watch something that might have content we'd have to have a conversation about, or that I would have to explain, or that I'd even regret be like, oh, wow, like that humor, like the office, like I love, I mean, we did the whole office. I think all, but there's definitely a lot of stuff in there. You're like, oof, like the this cringe doesn't... humor and the <laughs> yes. um, specifically the jokes around adult film industry. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if like saying that word triggers something in podcast land, but like the number of jokes about adult films in the office is like staggering. If you haven't had conversations with your <laughs> tween. Not just about what that is, because I know a lot of parents are tackling that topic with their kids younger and younger, but why, why those jokes might be funny or not funny. It's really interesting. It's really interesting. Anyway, it was good for me out of my comfort zone for me, but glad I did. And I credit Brian a lot to that because he's just a little bit more relaxed and it's like, well, if this joke is landing weird and we're all sitting here awkwardly, maybe we talk about it. Maybe we don't, maybe we just let it roll and you know, I don't know. So that was a tangent. Well, and I mean, there's really no getting away from that. I've watched movies with my kids from the 80s that in my memory were like pleasant, wholesome family films that I watched with my parents and we're five minutes in. I'm like, nope, turn it off because I was I don't remember this scene. And I guess my parents either I like blanked out and don't remember it at all or the jokes flew over my head. You know, kids are watching their parents to see what their parents are laughing at and find funny. But that doesn't mean they find it funny. They don't have the context to find it funny. So maybe for them, it just doesn't sink in. Like they don't even know what is being said. Um, or maybe this, maybe those were scenes my parents had me cover my eyes for. They fast forwarded. I don't remember, I guess right. is my point. Like it happened, it maybe lodged somewhere in the recesses of my brain, but it's not like that to me was not the part of the movie that stuck out. The part of the movie that stuck out was like the family going on vacation together or um, city slickers when they're like <laughs> riding cows. I had forgotten how those movies all started. So. Anyway, just saying, I don't think there's a, there's not a lot of ways to get away from that as you let your kids mature. Like that's going to happen. Well, and to add to the mix, if you have mixed age, if if television is going to be kind of a fun family bonding thing, you're going to have a youngest. There's going to be a kid who's really not quite ready. You and your family of origin are a youngest, Megan, and we both have youngest and anyone who has a youngest know 
that they age into media a lot younger if it's going to be a family bonding thing. So then you get to decide, like, do we watch, you know, friends, the whole family, or is that just an oldest thing? Like what, whatever the thing is, you get to decide, I guess. It's funny now having, you know, so many kids now that are older, I have more adult children than not adult children, which is crazy to me. Um, watching how that plays out in the sibling groups too, because Clara and Owen in particular have a lot of shows they watch together now. And I would say if it was just Clara, well, first of all, if, if it wasn't for her older brother wanting to watch with her, I don't think she'd even be interested in some of these things. And it's, it's TV. It's like people who do commentary on YouTube. It's kind of, there's like a big range, a lot of anime. And I will be sometimes like doing the dishes and they're in the dining room on a computer watching something. And I can hear like the language and I'm cringing and thinking, man, if, if Clara was my oldest or an only, absolutely no way would she be watching this. But Isaac's watching it or Owen's watching it anyway. And he wants to share that with Clara. She knows all these words. I'm not naive enough to think she doesn't. And I don't have to be part of it so much. Yep. So it's like, it's not like I chose it. And I'm like, it, it's just interesting to watch. Like I'm cringing. And then at the same time thinking, but this is what it is to be a youngest yep. with teenage, like older teenage siblings. So yeah. And it was the same way for me when I was 13, I was watching stuff with my older siblings that my parents probably would have flipped their lids if they'd known about. Yep. Um, I guess my last one for the glad I did kind of is almost uh, building off of my last glad I did. And this is, this is a very potentially unpopular opinion, but I'm just really glad I sort of unapologetically used screens to let me get stuff done. I had a lot going on. I had a lot of small kids under my roof. I had a full-time writing career. I had no budget for a babysitter. Um, and I, I was just getting it done. You know, I was mindful about the kinds of TV I let the kids watch when they were little. Um, And there were definitely times of the day we just didn't have the screen on at all, but I wasn't very legalistic or structured about it. And I would just kind of make a call in the moment. Like, okay, you all have been staring at the TV. You know, that mom intuition where I walk in and they're all glassy eyed and I'm like, nope, or it's really beautiful outside. Turn it off. It could be very arbitrary. But for the most part, when I look back, TV And I'm just saying TV because none of my kids when they were really little were into games. That wasn't really a thing. And they got into like some really kind of benign computer games when they got a little bit older. But when they were, you know, maybe under the age of eight or nine, it was mostly TV. And it just kind of felt like a pleasant, benign presence in the home. When I look back, I don't I don't really feel any kind of way about it. Like it was fine, you know. And even now, none of us are big TV watchers. We have things we like to watch. We enjoy it. I would say all of us watch and consume some kind of one-way entertainment on our devices every day, but we're not like, we don't have the TV on all the time in the background. Like we're just not that family. And so it, it doesn't feel like it backfired or had a, you know, it doesn't feel like it led to this lifetime when my kids are just staring at screens all the time, at least not in that way. And, and the other thing I would say is that, um, allowing my kids to just watch a few hours of TV during the day and kind of using that as a babysitter meant that I could wrap up at a reasonable time and then do other stuff with them in the evening and not feel always torn or like I had to wait till they were asleep to get things done, which would make me grumpy and tired all the time. Like I really prioritized family time as a whole and my mental health, um, (laughs) honestly over their little eyeballs sometimes, but it worked like it, it was, it, it was like using using it to, to do what needed to be done. 
I would say, I would love to say I could have just told him to stay outside in the yard all day. But like, even when my kids were little, that was not neighborhood culture. People's kids were not outside playing all day. Like that's just not been a thing for a long time. So I remember reading that advice, like, well, just turn it off and send them out to play while you get stuff done. I mean, it's not the fifties. Like people, I would have loved if they did that, but they didn't do that. Like they, they didn't understand it and it wasn't what people were doing. So I had to work at that too. I just, I love this so much. And I hope that there is a mom or a hundred moms listening who hear what you just said and just write themselves like a, I don't know, a full permission slip to take this approach. I love that you are glad you did. And I think it's something that doesn't get talked about very much, especially in the realm of like, it's, it's a pretty high privilege to be able to control screens time so much because you are able to play with your kids all day or provide enrichment opportunities for them or take them places. And I don't think it gets said enough that sometimes prioritizing mom's income or mental health or a balance of both. Um, And and those two things definitely went together for in my case. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And I do think that the privilege thing is really important to talk about because I think so often when, you know, little ones aren't interacting with screens, it's because mom is able, mom and dad are able to pay somebody else to do stuff with them during the day, whether that looks like a nanny running them around, or like you said, enrichment activities or daycare or whatever it is, that's not an option for everybody. And also not everyone has the ability to be a full-time stay-at-home mom or the desire. So there's a lot to unpack there, but I don't regret it. Like I look back and think it felt pretty appropriate for us. And I think I handled it pretty well. Most of the time. you can get a lot done when your kids are watching TV. (laughs) Yeah, you sure can. (laughs) Well, when we get to the wish we'd done, I'll have the corollary to this. So, um, but I'm just, yeah, I'm really glad you said that. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? 
Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Sarah. So this first wish I had done is very like technical, tactical. Um, and I just chalk it up to me being a little overwhelmed and, and a little ignorant about my options. But this is, I wish I had taken advantage more of the tools that were out there that made it easier to either limit or restrict certain kinds of screen activities um, that, that made that easier on parents. I was never very savvy about them. Um, I never felt like I had the time to figure them out. And in my marriage, I was not the more technologically um, proficient of the two of us. Not and so that, I think it was actually married to a tech guy. Right. Like, right. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. he was a tech that was like, I sort of put that in his camp. Right. And I think that there were, because he also wasn't the primary parent home all the time. What that meant was when we didn't use those tools, I took on the job of being the tech police, which is way worse. Right. <laughs> and it felt, it meant I like felt like a nag or I would sometimes just throw up my hands and be like, I don't know what they're doing. And there's, I, there's nothing I can do about it. Or I don't even know what's happening. And I just, I'm not talking like I know neither you or I are into heavy monitoring or, or blocking spyware. everything. No, it's not spyware. that. That's not even a word, yeah. but you, yeah. No, like the, yeah. The monitoring. monitoring software. Yeah. It's more like, I wish I had taken advantage of the things that would make the tech, the bad guy or the rule, the bad guy, instead of me being the bad guy. And I, I couldn't even name off all of the ones that were available when my kids were little, there weren't that many, but there were a few. Um, I know Amazon had one. Um, I think YouTube had some, like there was just tools that were there that would have made my job easier yeah. and it would have been probably wise for me to take a few hours to figure them out. Yeah. I think that's, it, that is really important to say because anything in the like quote unquote parental controls world is constantly evolving. Cause we know that the kids are discovering the tech way sooner than the parental controls are being developed. Like it's always, we're always playing catch up. So right. I, yeah, I, I don't feel particularly good at that whole category of stuff either. It does remind me in the first half of the episode, we talked a lot about TV and TV and movies are a lot easier to have like transparent um, oversight of because it's a yeah. big screen in a shared room that everybody's looking at. It's when kids go to their personal devices and get a little bit older that it, yeah, it can feel really overwhelming, whether it's the amount of time, the time of day, what kind of access they have, yes. what they're consuming. It's a lot. So, well, and I will also say that I had, um, a lopsided experience in that, um, I've been a mom for almost 25 years now. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, and for the solidly the first 12, maybe to 15 years of that, I was really only having to worry about TV and movies and internet was not something that my kids were really doing. Like they weren't really, they weren't really interacting with the internet 
unless I set it up for them. It wasn't like a big driver for them. And so when it switched over and things started creeping in, I wasn't savvy enough myself and I wasn't used to it. All of a sudden I'm like, well, what do you mean? YouTube has weird things popping up. I thought it like I've been using YouTube. I've never seen that. Well, I wasn't watching the same stuff my kids were watching. So it took me a little while to figure that out. And sometimes, you know, I'll learn about something new and think, oh man, Um, like we just had that sponsor Griffin where it's like, it starts the, it like starts at the source, like through your Wi-Fi Wi-Fi router. router. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Like, that's amazing. So that just wasn't available to me then. And so I'm not going to, I'm not beating myself about it, up about it again. This is just kind of a gentle wish I'd done, but it would have been nice. And and maybe somebody listening who feels overwhelmed is like, okay, well, I'm going to take a few minutes, research some options. Sort of like, I think of it for myself as like, um, like put the grown up pants back on, like, okay, I can figure this out. And like, (laughs) it doesn't have to be the exact right thing, but I can learn a little bit about parental controls. Yeah. Okay, well, I wish that I had been a little easier on myself, specifically about throwing on a show or a movie to get stuff done. So the exact, oh, like the exact thing you said, the that counterpoint, you're yeah, glad, glad you did. I didn't do, and I wish I had. And I'm glad you brought up, like, well, that we brought up personal devices, personal internet-enabled devices versus TV and movies, because I had kids in 2008, 2010, 2013. Um, this is the dawn of the iPad. There were a lot of apps for preschoolers, good ones, high quality apps, but still um, a, a, a preschooler on a personal device. I am not sad. I am. I don't wish I had been more permissive with those uh, iPad type screen time sessions. I do wish I'd been easier on myself about shows and movies for the exact reason we just talked about. When it's a, a show or a movie on in a shared room, you know what they're watching. A bored kid might get up and walk away if they're just like if they've just had a little too much. I know some kids have never had too much, but some some have like a natural limit. Um, And to your point from earlier, you can get an awful lot done. I think I took a hard line about we had a hard line about zero screens during the week um, for years. I mean, a decade. And it was great on the one hand. The one reason it was great is nobody ever asked ever if they could turn Mm. on a TV or a movie. So I never had battles um, during the week at all. But I also could have probably balanced my own needs a little bit better um, and stuck with my values. Like I, it, it wouldn't have, it, it wouldn't have been an all or nothing thing. I could have allowed a little bit more Daniel Tiger, a little bit more like PBS shows or um, a Disney movie a couple times a week and use that time for myself. And so I just wish I'd been, I, I wish I had seen those shades of gray a little bit better than I did yeah. in my sort of black and white thinking about no screens during the week. Well, and I think about like a week without any screens. And I think there was probably a time in my life where I thought that was like the kind of mom I wanted to be. And then probably two days later, I was like, but it's not the kind I can be. So, (laughs) you know, and if that had been a big priority for me or like a value that I was really willing to stick it out for, of course I could have. I mean, and we all have any option available to us if we want it badly enough. In the end, I didn't see the benefit outweighing the downside. Yeah. And that's really what this is all about, it, you know, it is. and, and yeah. like constantly checking in with yourself to see is like, is this thing I'm so committed to serving me? Is it serving my family and kind of being willing to like retool that? And I, I mean, yeah. many times on this show, longtime listeners have like asked me about this, like pretty hard line that I took. And I always want to remind people, like I didn't cook very many dinners. I didn't clean my house very well. Like 
I, there was a lot of things I didn't get done and probably an amount of just personal stress I was enduring because I didn't turn on Daniel Tiger for my kids. So I, I do wish I had just softened that approach a little. Well, this next one is also about being easy on ourselves. And this is the one that started off as a wish I'd done and completely flip-flopped. So when I started to make this note, I was saying that I wish I had taken a harder line okay. with video games. Okay. And then I sat and thought about it and was like, is that true? And looking back, given the place in my life that I was, the ages of my kids, the fact that they were into video games together and with their dad, I just wish I had not taken all on myself to feel like I was failing them by letting them do this thing that I hated and had saw no value in none. I'm not a video gamer. I've never been a video gamer. I've been quite nasty about video gaming culture in front of my kids, to my kids, in front of my ex-husband, to my ex-husband. There's a whole lot going on there that is not for this episode today. But I think if you're listening and you have a gamer spouse and you are not a gamer, you might understand a small amount of where I'm coming from. I felt judged by family for the amount that my kids played with their dad. And I took it all on myself. Like I took all of that feeling of failure, like on me as though it was my failure. And so it's not that I, I do actually in hindsight, wish my kids had played less video games when they were like the boys um, in particular from probably the ages of about 12 to about 16. That seems to be where it kind of concentrated with all of them, where I feel like it was the most potentially destructive and the most um, got in the way of other things. So I do wish they'd played less. I just wish I hadn't made it feel like my personal failure that they played as much as they did. And that's, that's like two very weird things to balance because it's really hard as a mom to say, I wish things had been different, but I wish I didn't feel like it was my job to make it different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the good side is now they're all, all the boys at least are on the other side of 16. And I see how none of them are ruled by video games anymore. It's like it, it was a moment in time that for them has passed on. Like it's, it's now passed. I think that it can be very addictive and destructive and I've seen it happen, but fortunately I don't think it's happening to my voice. Um, and it Clara doesn't seem to care. So that's all. That's like a big loaded thing that I think if you get it, you get it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I think that there probably weren't many rules I could have put into place to fix it. You know, like it wasn't that it was something else happening culturally, family, um, circumstances that there's probably not a whole lot I could have done in my circumstance to make a big difference. And I just wish I had recognized that, I guess. Well, and I Um, would imagine that a lot of the parenting literature floating around in these years was flying completely in the face of what it looked like inside your house, which is, can, can get us at our most vulnerable, right? Like, um, so yeah, I love it. And other and other um, extended family members and, you know, friends who had much stricter rules and things like that. Like it sometimes just felt like, oh, like I wish I had that. If it was up to me, that's what I would have. Yeah. But like the train had left the station yeah. and I yeah, wasn't yeah. on it. And I'm like running behind going, wait, wait. So 
anyway, I don't want to dwell on it. It's just, if, if you're in that situation, I guess I just see you. Yeah. Like I see where you're at. Yeah. Well, my wish I'd done also kind of involves co-parenting around screens different than yours, but, um, I have a tendency to take everything on myself and to give off a vibe like I know what I'm doing and in when it comes to parenting that has been the default in our uh marriage now I have a co-parent who's really involved and present and hands-on in all aspects of showing up for the kids but when it comes to things like making I don't know values-based decisions about food or screens or sugar or education I, it, it defaults to me. It usually then goes to some kind of conversation and the conversation is like, well, I've done a lot of thinking about this and here's what I think we should do. And my easygoing co-parent is like, well, you're probably right. Cause you've done a lot of thinking about this and we tend to agree on things. So let's do it. Like that's the, that's the dynamic we have for better or for worse. I wish when it came to tech that I had involved my co-parent more earlier and had a little bit more like real substance, substantive Wow, that didn't come out right. Substantive conversations from the beginning, um, including maybe letting his point of view and his own experience with playing video games and and being a kid who watched a ton of TV as a kid, like challenge my own. So I almost wish I hadn't steamrolled the conversation around tech. Um, we just like have that pretty common dynamic where I'm a little bit stricter about tech and Brian's a little bit more laid back and we navigate that pretty well to this day. We might have collaborated even better if we'd had some of those like really foundational conversations. And and then here's where it also plays out. And this kind of reminds me of what you were just saying. I also then took on all of the mental load, like when it came to enforcing any of these complicated systems I had come up with, painted myself into this corner coming up with strategies, deciding like when it was time to let somebody try this new video game. So I really painted myself into this deep default parent role around tech, which wasn't really fair to either of us and probably didn't suit our skill sets. Cause guess what? My co-parent is actually a really tech positive. Um, like he has a lot of great ideas about tech. He's, he's not like, it's not like he's like, Oh, I'm not interested in that at all. Like maybe there would be another parenting issue that it would make sense for me to be the default parent. I think with tech, it actually doesn't make sense. And yet I painted myself into that corner. So that was complplicated. I guess I wish I, I I wish I'd involved my co-parent more earlier and at a more like foundational level when it came to tech parenting. Yeah. Okay. So here's where this is going to feel kind of like I'm contradicting what I just said um, before you. Because I feel like my last one, my last wish I had done is almost the opposite of what you just said. And my last wish I had done was that I wish I'd been easier on myself about video gaming. And I stand by that. That's absolutely true. But I also wish that I had let my values be more heard part of the conversation. I feel like I was pretty passive and assumed that things would work out or that we'd get on the same page or like, I just kind of, I was just passive, more passive than I wish I had been. And it, and then it would sometimes turn into a very, like I said before as well, um, reactive thing. So one of my, I don't know if this is an Enneagram two thing, probably, but one of my personality flaws is that I can let things go for a really long time. And then when I've had enough, I get really mean. <laughs> I totally, like, I just become, you've seen it play out, Sarah, uh, yeah. when I can be very, I'm 
sometimes nasty, sometimes sarcastic. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes I'm just very direct. I've had enough and I'm just direct. And I think that's how it plays out with you and me and not with you, but like with us in work situations. But in the home, sometimes it would just get under my skin, get under my skin, get under my skin. And then it's like everyone's walking on eggshells because mom just like unleashed and I unleashed on the wrong thing. Um, And I think that I should have been having a conversation with a different person than I was having the conversation with. I was yelling at my kids and trying to like enforce it at the kid level. And I think it should have been more of a parenting values thing that I was more front and center and demanding about. And I, I do regret that because it turned me into somebody I didn't want to be a lot of the time. And so not like, I think my kids are permanently damaged because they played games. Although I think they could have stood to play a lot less. It's more like, my mental back and forth. And maybe it wouldn't have made any difference at all if I had stated my feelings more openly and like really said, nope, this is something I feel strongly about. Who knows? I have no idea. Um, But I kind of just feel like I didn't do that enough. So that's probably where it it feels like it's, it feels like it contradicts, but I guess it really doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's all part of the same, the same soup that I think is helpful to talk through. Um, Well, I guess I was going to end on uh, for both of us, do we have any wish we'd done that are completely practical that like parents listening could go out and do right now? Like right now I have this thing where we have mostly Apple devices and I have so many of those little block chargers that are the small cubes, but I have Mm -hmm. so few of the faster, bigger ones. And same thing with cords. We have a million of the charging cords that you can swap out, you know, like the USB in or whatever. Yep. And they're all like, two, three feet long. And I only have one that's like six feet long. So I wish, (laughs) I wish I had eased this pain point or I, maybe I can do this still. It's not too late for myself. Just having enough (laughs) chargers, having them in all the right places. It feels like a worthy investment when you get to the stage of parenting where you have quite a few devices. Like we don't, we don't need to scrimp and save on charging blocks. Right. Well, because you'll, and then you'll end up going out and buying more anyway, because you can't find one. So like, why not have it proactively? Um, I, my kids are always making fun of me because I don't really know the difference between a USB and a USC. Like I figure it out in the moment. I'm like, you know, the one that's kind of squarish on the sides, but it's not like, it's like the one I use on my Kindle and they'll be like, okay, yes, I have one of those. So it's kind of funny where in my house, I'm usually the one stealing cords from other people for their blocks. Um, but that's because I think they hoard them personally. Like I think partly that's the problem, but I don't have enough is the other problem. Eric has these little, cause he's very like proactively organized about things that I'm not. And so every now and then I'm like, oh man, that's a good idea. Even though I kind of roll my eyes, it actually is a great idea. He's got these little, um, Velcro things that slip through and then you can wrap the cord up and wrap it up with the Velcro. And it did occur to me that if I color coded it and each kind of cord had its own color Velcro, then at a glance from across the room, I could tell what cord it is. Yeah, that is a good idea. When we moved, I literally had hands full of cords that I was just like picking up and throwing in boxes and going, I don't even know what these are. I don't know if they work. I don't know what they go to. We'll figure it out on the other end. And guess what? We ain't figured it out yet. We haven't. Well, and (laughs) most charging things have like the cord, which can be swapped in and out to the block and then the blocks. And I I feel Uh like there must be a benefit to that. I get it. But like the cord doesn't do you any good if you don't have a block. So the right. Yeah. yeah, This is probably a universal problem. Maybe in the future, we'll just like 
I don't know, put our phones on the counter and they'll charge from the air or something like in, in 10 is, years. I feel like this is a obsolete. temporary issue. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, this was fun. And I hope that moms listening um, feel, I don't know, just a little reassured that no matter what choice you make, it's either reassured or very depressing that no matter what choice you make, you wish you made some different ones, but that you'll probably also look back and say, I'm really glad I did this and that that way. And and that's all great. It's part of the conversation. Um, before we wrap up, I want to remind everyone to check out our sponsor, Auto Approve. Auto Approve can save you thousands on your auto loan. And for all of our listeners who refinance through Auto Approve, they're going to send you $100. So get your free quote and find out how much you can save at autoapprove.com slash mom hour. Again, that's autoapprove.com slash mom hour. I mean, you could use that $100 and buy yourself a bunch of good charging, long charging cords and charging. I love this idea. (laughs) Um, Well, listeners, if you have any ideas for um, glad I did, wish I'd done themes, topics, um, this is something we want to return to every couple of months or so. Um, And so we kind of have some ideas in the bank, but I'm always open to more. Um, Coming up, we will be back on Sunday with a more than mom kind of themed around summer camps, but summer camps for moms and like what that would be like in our fantasy world. Um, and also don't forget that we have a travel hub on the blog. It's at themomhour.com slash travel 22. We are going to start uh, releasing travel guides to the various cities where we live and our contributors live. So coming up very soon, you will have Megan and my guides for Southwest Michigan for you, Megan and Santa Barbara for me. That's something people have asked us to write up forever. So look for those soon and check the travel hub. Um, And we will link all of that up in the show notes. So Megan, this was fun. We'll be back with everybody on Sunday. Talk to you then. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code the mom hour to save 20%. Hi everyone, Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening and leave the mom hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us. And it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button and then scroll all the way to the bottom and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.